Blog Talk Radio. connect to your soul, health, and wellness. Tune in as she brings messages, guidance, and clarity into your life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Get Into It with Tina Conroy. I am your host on Blog Talk Radio. The phone lines will be open today, and that number is 516-387-1936. Also, the chat room is open, so if you'd like to chat with us, go to blogtalkradio.com and find the chat, and you can chat away. How is everybody doing? I hope this is finding you well today. It is Episode 7 of Health and Transformation, February 17th. I am so hoping that you had a most wonderful Valentine's Day, and you were able to share that time with yourself, with self-love, and with all the people in your life, and that makes your heart happy. So as we wrap up almost two more episodes to Health and Transformation, it has been a phenomenal two months, and I am so excited to bring my very special guest on. Before I do that today, I would love to center and to connect with all of you. Take a moment to close your eyes, if you can. Take a nice, long, slow, deep breath in, and exhale away. Feel the weight of your shoulders release, relaxing your face, your eyes. Calling upon blessings for each and every one listening to the show live and later on the archive. We call upon spirit, Archangels, angels, spirit guides to surround us, protect us. We ask for healing. We ask as we learn and explore new information perhaps to take in, learning about health, transformation, purpose in life, connecting to our spirit. And we ask this always for the highest good, and so it is. Let's take another moment. Take another breath and exhale away. So I'd like to pick a card for our show. So I'm shuffling the cards. I'm using the fairy cards today, nice, light, and airy fairies. We have almost springtime weather. And the card for the show is Positive Expectations. So a really affirmative card to look for all the positiveness in your life. I spoke a little bit last week about the... Chinese moon, the Chinese new year and the new moon, and the year of the monkey, and talks a lot about transformation. So I know a lot of people are going through much transformation in their life, and it can be happening very, very quickly. I know there's many changes around me, a lot of my changes around people I know. So just hang on tight, go with the flow, and 
be positive. So I want to tell you a little bit about my guest. I am very grateful to have my guest on my show. Vince Glacier is a native Long Islander, and he grew up in Long Island, middle child of about five siblings. And although he grew up in suburbia in Long Island, he had wonderful access to wooded preserves and nature, sanctuaries and nature. And he found very early on that he had a deep connection to nature. He loved the woods. He loved climbing and being outside and doing anything that was immersed with the nature. As he got a little bit older, he got involved with surfing, and he's an avid surfer to this day at age 14. He was surfing and he was fishing, and he, again, really became very interested with and noticed he loved when he felt more himself when he was in nature. He says that it reminded him that he's being one with the environment. Over time, however, he found that surfing and swimming were more his passion, and he started to give, get away from fishing because he thought a lot about about harming harming the fish, and he became... He pulled away from the fishing end and loved to really surf. He went through his grade year schools and he remembers kind of feeling trapped in this kind of mundane routine in buildings and kind of education. And again, he really wanted to kind of be outside, be an environment. And as he grew, he became very uh, involved with environment. He worked with different environmental studies. He chose um, to work with uh, many different uh, things outside the environment to make things better. And he found himself a hydro hydrologist um, really working uh, in his mid-30s and climbing the corporate ladder. Unfortunately, in his mid-30s, he also found himself in a health crisis. And this is what led him to Transcendental Meditation, the TM Technique. And he'll talk a little bit about that today. He went through Transcendental Meditation. He is my Transcendental Meditator teacher, which I'm so grateful for. And then he also went on for more and more. He has such an extensive, extensive background. He became more involved with healing and healing journeys. He went to massage school and then found myofascial release through the John F. Barnes Method. And then most recently, in 2015, completed the basic course in Ayurveda training for health professionals through the Maharishi Ayurveda Association of America. And I would love for him to bring him on today to talk about this amazing science of life, which is called Ayurveda. So without further ado, I'm going to get Vince on the line. How are you? Hey, Vince, how are you? Nice to connect with you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. Oh, it's so and, fantastic. Um, it's such an honor. I, I just love the way you opened up the show with having folks close their eyes and connecting, breathing, and healing, three words you used. And this is what Ayurveda is really all about. Um, breathing, as we know, is we take in the life force that way and we, we connect back with ourselves. And same with Transcendental Meditation, we're connecting back to the self. And that's very important for our healing journeys because this society has taken us away from this all the time with technology, which can be great and is the means for our communication right now, but yet it can uh, lead us astray, away from the self, and we're relying more and more on it to do everything. So 
I love the idea of ancient technologies of consciousness, knowledge of the body, true knowledge of the body, to bring us back to a state of wholeness. And that's what this is all about. I know you're a yoga teacher as well. And yoga, as you know, means union. And that's reestablishing back to source. So that's uh, my whole healing journey has been about that. And it continues. So... um, Thank you again for having me on your show, Tina. It's been a while since I saw you, but I look forward to seeing you again. I know. It sure has been. Time is going really fast. It was about this time last year, actually, that I went through and and learned Transcendental Meditation TM, maybe a little bit less than that. No, it's about this time, actually, because I believe I was in Florida around this week, and uh, we met right before I left. So a whole year has gone by. It's, it's really hard to uh, to imagine the time is going this fast. But it's great to connect with you on the airwaves. And I know there's so many listeners that are interested and intrigued with the study of Ayurveda. And I know very little. You know, I'll be honest, I've kind of dabbled a little bit in it. And I think my extent is maybe, you know, the doshas. So we could talk about that. But um, it's it's very exciting to me, and I, I felt that in this process, in my episodes of health and transformation, it fit in really, really beautifully, because we've talked about many different types of health and transformation, and this is just one beautiful part of, of that. So I appreciate you being on and sharing that with the listeners. Um, very exciting. Thank you. It's a very exciting welcome. time. It is. So tell me a little bit about I mean, I just want to go back just a little touch a little bit about you because let me tell you, boy, you're a really cool guy. You have you have an extensive Thanks, <laughs> you have an extensive biography. I was, you know, looking it over and you know, you are still an avid surfer. You're still surfing these days? When the weather's uh, well? <laughs> last time I went was Christmas Day and it was uh, okay. about seventy degrees. Wow. And that was amazing. Uh and it's been kinda of cold lately and not a little too cold for surfing, but we do have the equipment for that. Right, and just that connection. So a lot of a lot of your background is that the connecting to the outside, to the nature, feeling with one, and then as you explored through your through your life and through your journey, kind of finding those healing methods of connecting and helping other people. So you have all these wonderful holistic modalities that you currently use in your practice. So mm-hmm. um, it it. Did it sort of just fall into place with Ayurveda? Tell me how that came about after all you know the other modalities that you do. Oh, sure. So what happened first, uh, back around the time of my health crisis, that's what I'm calling it, I was feeling great, literally, disease within. On the outside, I probably looked healthy. I was, you know, active physically. and But the stresses of work were just really heavy, and it drove me to seek meditation and I found TM and that was the solution I was looking for. Um, And then after learning about TM, I started learning about Ayurveda because the same man who brought us TM, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, who most people know uh, through his association with the Beatles, who studied with the Maharishi as well as many other celebrities, um, when they were in Rishikesh, learning to be teachers at TM actually, along with Mike Love and Donovan and Prudence and Mia Farrow and many others. Uh, so I learned about Ayurveda pretty quickly, and I was immediately intrigued by it and fell in love with it um, because I was always interested in things natural. I had wanted to become a doctor when I was graduating from grade school. And um, after high school, I lost that 
that aspiration, so I went to study environmental studies. But anyway, getting back to Ayurveda, uh, Deepak Chopra was very close to Maharishi at the time, and he had many books out already, and I read them all, ate them up. Um, Return of the Rishi, Quantum Healing, Perfect Health, much of it focused on Ayurveda. Um, so I was so intrigued with it. It's such a, a deep knowledge, an ancient knowledge. It even predates traditional Chinese medicine and so complete. So I wanted to do something about that. And in fact, I looked into educational programs. Um, and in fact, uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi founded a college in Iowa called, at the time it was called Maharishi um, International University, and now is known as Maharishi University of Management. And what they have there is consciousness-based education. Everybody meditates. They reconnect with self and then go on to learn their, their field of knowledge from that wholeness. And on the intellectual level, they're always connecting back to that wholeness as well, making for a, a wonderful educational program. And so I read all these books, and when I looked into this program, they had a, a very uh, comprehensive bachelor's program in Ayurveda, but there was no no one using Ayurveda at the time. The public awareness was really low, and the graduates weren't doing much. Are you still there, by the way? Yep, I'm here. <laughs> okay, I, I did hear a, um, a tone thinking maybe I was disconnected somehow. No, no, you're here. I'm just actually making sure my computer isn't going off and beeping, so sorry about that. Okay, no, that's quite all right. I'm connecting back to source. <laughs> In any case, um, so I, I didn't pursue it at that time because it seemed like it wasn't going to pan out into anything I could do with it, even though the knowledge itself is self-gratifying having that knowledge for my own use. And I became friends with a doctor who transformed his practice to be completely Ayurvedic. And now he has a clinic um, in Amish country and he serves the Amish population. He is their medical director for this uh, medical clinic where he does pretty much entirely Ayurvedic treatments. Um, so I have that connection too through this friend and anyway, recently, the, the, the awareness about Ayurveda has grown to the point where I thought, hey, I can now make a career of this. And the Maharishi University of Management, um, as of just two short years, whoops, uh, excuse me, dog barking. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> that happens. <laughs> we are in the world here. And there are dogs That's, we in the are. World. We are in the world, for sure. Things happen all the time. Well, thank you for understanding. I apologize to the audience <laughs> for the dog barking. That's okay. I always say things like that are meant to be, right? Because It's a wake-up call. The, the dog barking is uh, symbolic of a wake-up call that we all need to get back to source and to get whole and healthy because wholeness is healthy. And wholeness is happiness and happiness is wholeness, etc. So anyway, I, I finally did some training in uh, Ayurveda through the Maharishi Ayurveda Association of America, that first bit of training that you referenced when you introduced me, and thank you for the introduction. And then I heard about a master's program being offered at Maharishi University of Management. They're, they're, they're affiliated, the two organizations. And so uh, it's a very intensive program, and it's uh, the most advanced Ayurvedic training in the West. There are other 
programs around, but not the comprehensive level that Maharishi, we call it Maharishi Ayurveda, because Maharishi introduced the element of consciousness, which was missing from classical Ayurveda. Um, when the British had colonized India and they were destroying the Ayurvedic colleges, you know, this is the way of the world, unfortunately. But it remains intact. It is revived. And I'm very honored to be a part of this program. I'm in my first year, and by the end of May, I will have finished my first year of studies in addition to the uh, preliminary uh, basic training that I already did with Maharishi Association of America. Amazing. Does that answer that question? That's it a, does. That's a long it does. answer. It's a long answer, but you know what? To even bring it down a little bit more basic, because I bet there's so many listeners that have heard the word Ayurveda, and um, yes. I think majority of people have, but I know that it is termed the science of life, but Correct. It, how would you... There's. I know there's so many different facets of it, right? So we talk about the dietary facet. We talk about the body type. So what part would you like to start with? Because I know it encompasses a lot of the person. And then I would believe each. it depends on each individual person how their makeup is and then what their daily routine or adjusting their dietary situation. So maybe just exactly. bring it down to basics because I, I know there's some people that – you know, a lot of people, it's funny, I had some text messages and they said, oh, I've done Ayurveda massage or I went to an Ayurveda spa. So, you know, there's all these, uh, there's a lot to it. So if you could just maybe bring it a little bit more simpler, what, you know, what part of it you want to talk about and then maybe if there's any questions, I can kind of go to the lines. Sure, sure, great. So in Ayurveda, I guess everyone's familiar, well, a lot of people are familiar with the doshas, which are composed of the five elements. We have our earth, air, fire, water, uh, space. And out of those five come the three doshas, which are basic operating principles of nature that are within us and in all of nature. So we're plugged into this field of consciousness, like all of manifest creation. And, um, for instance, the Vata types, that's uh, composed of air and space. So people with Vata constitutions that dominate, uh, they have light physiologies, and they tend to be very quick in their thinking. They tend to move fast, just like the wind. It's very changeable. So they're subject to change. And they're think of like a bird. They're flit around. So the Vata types move around, they, they're brilliant, creative, um, and so on. And things that go out of balance for them are things that have the qualities of Vata, which is dry, um, changing, moving. So movement is a, a, a word that characterizes Vata people in terms of their speech, in terms of the way they move through space. Um, and they tend to, when they get out of balance, they'll tend to worry they tend to, because they, they have a lot of dryness in their mind-body complex, they tend to constipation and things of this nature. Sleep tends to be light. Their physiologies are slim. They tend to be either very tall or very short. And um, they tend to have dry skin, curly hair, for instance, uh, like that. The pitotypes are composed of the fire and water elements. And the pitas have medium-sized builds. So they're pretty well muscled, uh, and they can gain or lose weight fairly easily in either direction. 
and they tend to have very strong appetites because fire, as you know, through your yoga training, is uh, the English word for agni. So agni is a Sanskrit word. It means fire, digestion. And so they have a lot of fire in them. The people who are fiery, they tend to be sharp. Fire is sharp. It's hot. And when fire gets out of balance, it tends to be demanding. It tends to be impatient. So people who have these qualities have an excess of pitta. Not all people who have these doshas, remember pitta is one of the three doshas, um, have imbalances, although we all do. They manifest in different ways, depending on your your life situation and the stresses that are on you. So pitta types tend to have uh, fine hair, uh, lighter skin, ruddy complexions. They tend to be very purposeful in the way they move through space. Their their eyes are penetrating, um, and they tend to be driven by challenges, and they want to accomplish. Now, the copper types, they're in terms of the body types, or the larger of the body types, and roundness is a quality that's... Um, characteristic to them, round features, round face, jolly, like Buddha-like. They tend to have thick, wavy hair, whereas the pittas have thin, fine hair, and the bodas have curly hair. They tend to have very thick, wavy hair, and their skin tends to be on the oilier side. They tend to have um, well-covered joints, and they tend to gain weight easily and have a problem losing it. Um, Cophetites, when they get out of balance, just they're earth and water elements now. Earth and water. Earth and water are sweet. So mm. they tend to be very sweet people. When they get out of balance, they'll get maybe lazy, lethargic like that. But they have great endurance, um, big hearts. And their their eyes, for instance, are um, larger, like a doe's eyes or a cow's eyes. Full, round. The whites are white, whereas the pittas are red and and the vatas are on the bluish side, uh, the white part of the eye. So that covers the three doshas uh, in terms of their physical manifestations in the human species. Um, so kapha types, because they're heavy and sweet, the spring is the toughest time of the year for them because those qualities are very much in abundance in the environment and it accumulates in them. And the pitta types, the summer is the season that has the um, most imbalancing effect because they're already hot. And Vata types winter because it's cold and dry and windy like that. So as a practitioner, do you do, you do is there some type of, I don't want to say testing or an anal- analysis of who, yes. what they are? Okay. Absolutely. Okay. There are different ways we do this. The first is observation. When we meet a client, we observe them. We look at the body type. We just take it in naturally. We're trained for what to look for. It's not like we're straining to do this. Everything about it is effortless, which is what I like about it. And so we'll look. If someone comes through the the door, really, they're coming in fast and they're talking fast, and they have a natural enthusiasm. They tend to have a a lighter build and maybe curly hair. Then we'll go, yeah, there's a lot of vada here. Okay, so right off the bat, we're, we're determining some body qualities, and then we have a series of questionnaires we use uh, regarding digestion and what what things uh, tend to put them out of balance. And then, of course, there's the pulse. In Ayurveda, there's, we take the pulse, and traditional Chinese medicine has the pulse as well. And it's not just counting beats. 
we put our fingers, three of our fingers, the um, index finger, the middle finger, and, and the ring finger, on the radial artery just below that bump in your wrist on the thumb side. And we feel qualities. Uh, the Sanskrit word for that is gunas, G-U-N-A-S. We feel qualities in the pulse, and then we take note of those qualities. What do we feel? It's, we're not analyzing per se, although we are. We're just kind of being present and just feeling what we are without judging it. And we might feel some quickness. We might feel some intensity. We might feel some heaviness. And that's vata, pitta, and kapha, respectively, in that order. So we take notice of that. And then within each finger, the pulse can hit differently on each finger. And each dosha, by the way, I should cover this, has sub-doshas. And there's five sub-doshas for each dosha. And uh, the fingers will register that. So you can get really specific on what's going on with someone, what may be out of balance, what needs to be looked at. And that gives us a clue as to people's constitution and their imbalances. Now let me so ask you a question. The, yeah, yeah, can sure. you switch your can you can you be one dosha and then be another dosha throughout your lifetime, or are you always one dosha? Good question. We are born. <laughs> that is really a good question. It's key. We are born with um, a makeup. They call that property, our basic nature. But and people always want to know what am I? What am I? Well, we'll get a good idea. But what we're really dealing with are the imbalances, and that's your vrikriti, V-R-I-K-I-T-I, vrikriti, and that's the imbalances. And what ends up, uh, the things that go out of balance with someone is going to be typically what their lead dosha is, because everybody has all three doshas within them. It's just what is dominating. About 80, 85% of the population has a combination of two doshas. They're very close. And that's bi-doshic, like, um, like a pitta-vada, a vada-pitta, a pitta-kapha, a vada-kapha, like that. Mm-hmm. One slightly more than the other. And then the third dosha is much less, much less in terms of, uh, call it quantity, for lack of a better word. Um, so that's 80, 85% of the population is bi-doshic. And then about 10 or 15% is monodoshic, vada, pitta, kapha. The other two doshas are much subdued. Uh, and not so obvious in their behavior, in their appearance, etc., in their their attitudes, and so on. And then there's the tridoshic types. They're the rarest, about five percent. They have about equal quantities of vata, pitta, and kapha in their constitution. So again, we have the pulse, we have observation, and we have questionnaires to determine tias. That's their nature, what they're born with, and what their vikritis are, which are usually the out of balance dominant doshas they have in them. Like pittus, for instance, will have a tendency towards skin issues because the, we have pitta, we have different seats of the doshas within the body. And do you want me to go through that? Sure. Yeah. So with um, kapha is centered on the chest, the upper part of the body, the, the sinuses and so on. And, and the pitta is in the, the lower part of the stomach and the small intestine in particular. That's where the transformation and digestion of the food is taking place. And then vata is the colon, the large intestine. And so that's the lower part of the body. So it's like that. And then it gets a lot more specific. And we haven't gotten into the organ system so much. 
But the, the pitta is the duodenum and small intestine and lower part of the stomach, and the spleen is also a liver. Uh, spleen and liver are also pitta uh, organs. Because there's a lot of transformation and blood. You think of blood; it's red, it's hot, like that. So it gets very complicated. Um, did I answer that question? I've, I, maybe I was going somewhere and I lost track because it is a very deep subject. This Ayurveda. Yeah. No, I know we could probably have many shows on it because people, like I said, people will know maybe a little bit of the doshas, or they'll hear certain dietary. Like I know there's certain people like like hot food or like they're like they're like they're hot. Like I don't like any of my any of my beverages, like I love coffee and I love hot things, but I don't like them ultra, ultra hot. I don't like yeah, them cold, yeah. but I don't want them so burning hot. And I know some people are like, can you make it extra hot? You know, I'm like, ugh. So when I have soup, I love soup, but I have to, I'll sometimes put an ice cube in my soup. So, you know, oh, that's I know. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? I don't like it so hot where, meanwhile now, the, the interesting part is I like hot things. Like I like Tabasco and spicy, spicy hot. But, Temperature-wise, yeah. I don't like it to be too hot. That right? makes so that, it even more interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, I'm really messed up, aren't I? Basically, <laughs> basically. But I love Tabasco and I love all that, you know, shirasa sauce, and I love Indian food. And you know, when I was in India, the big joke was I was those pickles that they have. They're spicy pickles, and it was, they're almost like peppers. And I was the more right. I could have, the better. Even when I go to our favorite Indian restaurant, I'm always having the hot stuff. Um, but when it's a temperature hot, I'm always very particular. I don't like anything super hot. I like it a little bit cooled off. So it's, uh, so I guess that, I guess what I'm going for is there's all part of that being part of the doshas and part of the things you like and dislike. And then what's obviously out of balance and then how to kind of change that. I'm sure there's supplements. I mean, we could go on and on the supplements and then dietary, um, Per season, yeah, we can talk you know. about some things like that. Yeah, you, you're giving me clues to your your doshic makeup. You okay. like things cool, some <laughs> things cool, and you're very particular. Pitta, the pitta types are very particular. Uh, remember, the okay. demanding is an. Uh, I'm not saying you're being demanding, but it is sort of a demanding thing. <laughs> okay. I want it like this. Pittas are like that. They like things in order. They're very um, organized, mm-hmm. typically, and they like things in a very particular way and. Um, you know, they, they like to take charge. Pitta types like to take charge. And um, Kapha types are like, um, you know, more laid back because they're sweet. They're heavy and sweet, and they have a tendency to remain uh, contented in their sweet spot, so to speak. Mm. Very interesting stuff. So, yeah, the, the doshas go out of balance, and this is why we need to cleanse between seasons because we okay. accumulate the dosha of the season, like the March will be a transformative time in terms of the environment. Sure, the, right. We're, we're transitioning from a vata time of year, wind and cold and change, to uh, uh, the kapha time of year, which is heavy. It's it's sweet. You know, when the grass comes up and the flowers come up, it's sweetness. It's, it's, it's wet and it's cold. These are all kapha qualities. So we need to get rid of the vata for the season, and there's a whole bunch of cleansing, for, you know, treatment, uh, therapies to rid the body of these accumulated doshas so you don't get sick. Because this is the time of year people get sick between seasons. You need to balance the doshas. And you, you can do it by diet and routine 
and you can do it by purification. Purification is um, more effective, but it's all important because we know through, everyone knows Hippocrates, and his big tenet was you, you basically are what you eat, and let food be a medicine, let medicine be a food. That's really Ayurveda. Let food be a medicine of all the different things. With Ayurveda, the, the diet's the most important thing. You, you can eat wrong diet and, and throw herbs on top of it, but that's, it's going to help a little maybe, but you really got to clean up the diet. And it's so got to be you, in balance with your doshas. Okay. And so when you talk about cleanses, like, I mean, that's always a big buzzword. Is there a particular, is there like four cleanses a year that you, someone should do, or it can be even more than that, depending on their situation? Yeah, that's right. It can be. Like, different parts of the world have different climates. We basically have four seasons of temperate climate. But Ayurveda could look at that as only three seasons. Um, we have let's say summertime is when it starts to get hot and humid. And that really goes into, you know, the early part of the fall is really an extension of the summer, right? So you think of summer and the early part of fall as one season, and then late fall is more wintry. That's when it starts to winds and the big nor'easter storms. Uh, it's more wintry. So we have late fall and winter and winter, and then we have spring. So three seasons, you can look at it that way. Other climates have uh, like six seasons and you can do cleanses between them, but you should really around here be cleaning uh, cleaning up a couple of times a year, two, three times a year, or at least once. You know, and there are procedures where you can you go light on your diet and you can, using purgative therapies, literally flush the stuff out of your system following specific protocols to do that. Uh, and it's all spelled out, and the wellness, the Ayurveda wellness consultant guides you in the process. And, you know, you use different oils, for instance, with the different body types. Like the pitta types would use ghee, because ghee is cooling, and pittas are hot. So that's very good for pitta to use ghee. And the body types, um, because they're already cold, constitution, I'm not saying they're cold people, it's, it's a quality or a guna and and so they need something more warming like sesame oil is really good for them and for the kapha types because they're already on the oilier side they have a natural oiliness to them we all know people have like oily hair and oily skin mm-hmm. not necessarily in a bad way if it's excess then that means it's excess and they're out of balance that way but um, they would need something called tipoli long pepper long pepper at it has, believe it or not, an old, even though it has a pungency, it has an oleating effect on the physiology. And so there's a protocol for that, to oleate the system that way. And then the purgative laxative therapy would help flush that out. And this could be done over a period of the actual taking of the oil in increasing amounts. And then the last day you take the purgative therapy and then you transition slowly back to your diet. So figure for a four-day oleation period where you're taking the oil or pipoli for four days in a row in increasing quantities. You want to lighten up your diet before that period and lighten up after you do the purgation. And, and this way you get rid of all those toxins. Not only the doshas you're cleaning up, you're cleaning the toxins up. And with a good, uh, we call this verachana, by the way, with a V, V-I-R-E-C-H-A-N-A, with a good verachana 
program, you're cleaning the seats of all three doshas, vata, pitta, and kapha. So wow. uh, it's a wonderful thing to do. And I tell you what, in the 20-some-odd years I've been practicing TM and learned about Ayurveda, I've maybe had two or three colds at most, and I usually get rid of them pretty quickly. Wow. Other than that, uh, my health is good. I had, you know, everyone has issues, and I and the more I pay attention to my diet and be more mindful and 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 soften up and do the therapy, you know, do the varicella cleansing and other things, the less um, I'll be imbalanced and the more uh, healthy I'll be and happy. Right, because I get this. Yeah, you're so aware. You, no, you're so like you said. You're just you're just the consciousness of it. You know the you're so aware of really how you feel and the knowledge of that inside that that connection absolutely you feel when you get rid of when you do this you feel light you feel light and you feel happy and uh, and then your digestion it you, in other words if you do a, a cleanse like you just described um you wouldn't want to go eating macaroni and cheese right after <laughs> that you will know it but your digestion has to be uh it's been dampened a little bit through the procedure so you need to sharpen it up a little bit and get your body transitioned back to a normal, healthy, digestive fire, Agni, so that right. you can uh, normalize and get back to activity this way. So it's all about ease, and it should all actually be very pleasant. And this is another thing I like about Ayurveda, and TM is a very important aspect of the, again, this brand of Ayurveda, Maharishi Ayurveda, uh, it's a cornerstone of the whole thing for balance because it's in that yogic state where mind, body, and spirit are one. What we're doing in Ayurveda, Maharishi Ayurveda, is we're re-enlivening that basic cosmic intelligence that we all share at the source of thought. And by going back to source, we re-enliven that in the body and mind, and then the body can heal itself. So we're activating the self-repair mechanisms within the body when we do Ayurveda and do GM, even down to the DNA level. And the research that's coming out now is just cascading with validation of ancient knowledge from a long, long time back, many thousands of years ago. It's really amazing. And it's getting more and more popular, right? Things come in, things come in waves, you know, the fact that people would even know the term Ayurveda becomes like almost a household world word now. <laughs> you know, it's like it's exciting. It is, yeah, it really is. I mean, it's just I it was so impressed and interested with some of the texts I got. Some people didn't really know exactly. Oh, Ayurveda, you know, and and it it's become like a little bit of a buzzword, which is always a good thing. You know, the awareness is there. The the awareness is become to the to the surface, which is nice. I want to just touch upon also, I know we, and there's so much we could talk about. I know we don't have all that much time, but we also talk about in um, daily routines for individuals, unique mind body types. So when you talk about daily routines, do you mean meditative practices or do you mean what? what, Okay. Okay. What I'll do is Tina, thank you. That's a really good question. I'm glad you asked it. It was on the uh, forefront of my mind, actually. Daily routine. Well, there are some things in common that all three doshas have, and let me just cover that. Um, And it's all about being in tune with nature, being in alignment with the laws of nature. When the sun rises, there's a shift. 
there's a shift in the consciousness, and we know this from experience. We get up at dawn, there's a certain energy in the air, and it changes by the minute. And you, you can think of it, okay, yeah, sure, then, by the minute. But at that time of sunset and sunrise, that is very palpable. It really is. And, but, and if you fast forward from dawn, go to a, an hour later, and then an hour later, and then an hour later, it's, it's just changed. There's a different buzz going on in the atmosphere, a different energy. And the ancients knew this. The rishis. Rishi is a Sanskrit word that means seer. The rishis knew this, and they cognized this information from the level of their consciousness, the level of their awareness. And so, you know, there's vada pitta kapha in, time, in terms of the times of day, in terms of your life. And I'll just cover that real quick, and then I'm going to get into some, you know, something we could all relate to in terms of what we can do to be more in balance. So we have... Uh, um, the Vata time of day is from 2 to 4. That's afternoon and morning. And then the Kapha time of day is right after that. Kapha starts at 6 a.m. and 6 p.m. and goes to 10 a.m. and 10 p.m. So let's take it from the Kapha part of the day. 6 a.m. It's heavy, right? There's a heaviness in the environment, and if people don't want to get out of bed, <laughs> They don't want to get out of bed. They want to stay there. It's heavy. So we want to eat a lighter breakfast. Eat food. You know, there's this misunderstanding about the farmer's breakfast. That, that's a whole different cultural mm-hmm. misunderstanding or whatever, and it's a different thing altogether, too. Sure, you need, farmers work hard. They get up very early, and they, they need some nutrition, but we're not all farmers. Like, like only 1% of the population in America is farming. Right. Or something even less than that. In any case, now take it at 10 o'clock. Ten in the morning, there's a shift to the, it goes into pitta time. And then, because now the sun is highest in the sky, we're not at noon. So at noon, the pitta in the environment is highest in our environment. It's high in the sky, and that's when we should eat our largest meal because our bodies are reflecting. Our inner bodies, our agni, our digestive fire is reflecting the fire in the sky, literally. So we should have our largest meal around noon, one o'clock like this. Unfortunately, in America, we do have that tradition still, even though people are eating in front of their computers. Not a good idea. <laughs> Not a good idea. And then later in the day, just think of it, at 2 o'clock is the end of period of time, and there's a transformation. You know, the food moves through the system following laws of nature. And so you want to capitalize that. Eat your largest meal at noon. And then the middle of period of time, remember, excuse me, the middle of Vata time is 4 o'clock because Vata time is from 2 in the afternoon, to 6 p.m. when Kappa starts again. So right in the middle is 4. And this is when people get a little tired, right? Mm-hmm. And this is when they want their 4 o'clock tea. That's right. So I used to want my 4 o'clock coffee. I find that very interesting. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Have a biscuit or something and uh, a cup of coffee or tea and get a little energy. And then you go home and then that heaviness starts again. You're done with your day and then there's Kappa. So you don't want to eat too much food at night either. And you don't want to eat it too late. Like mm-hmm. Beyond 7.30, every, the later it is beyond 7, 7.30 at night, the, the lighter your meal should be. Because, you know, your body's going to have to do some cleansing in the evening when the tenant time starts again at 10 p.m. Right. And it's it's doing a secondary cleansing or digestion. And so we, we don't want to burden the system like that because we'll just clog our body's channels um, that's why you know, we get a second wind at 10, and that's why we go to bed before 
10 o'clock. That's ideal. Early to bed, early to rise, right? Makes a man right. healthy, wealthy, wise, man and a woman. You know, it's interesting because you're saying that because my, my grandparents, who are no longer with us, um, European descent, they were from Poland, and they they ate like that. They would have, I don't really know what they had for breakfast, but they would have their main meal. They called it the supper. They would have their supper around 2 o'clock, one thirty, two o'clock. And then my grandmother would always make, you know, for my grandfather, later in the day, like evening time, like 6 o'clock or 5.30, she would say half a sandwich or a piece of fruit. And, you know, it's it's interesting, though, because there was a lot of a lot of people that I know, even my husband's grandparents used to eat like that. And then as time has changed, you know, sometimes there's dinner reservations. There are people that we know, and they're making dinner reservations for 7.30, and I can't even eat that late. You know, it just feels too yeah. late in my stomach. But yep. it's getting later and later because people are working longer and longer hours, and that's another whole topic. But And then they're, they're going, most dinner restaurants are busy at 7, 7.30, 8 o'clock. I mean, it's like 8 o'clock at night to make a, you know, eat a full meal, and then you're not even done till 10. So, I mean, not that I think you, people do that every night, but as more and more as our lifestyle, people that commute, that are on that fast track and come home and they're walking in the door at 6.37, they're having a meal, that heavy meal at the end of the day, and then you're right, they're going to bed with this full belly and feeling uncomfortable. So it's it just right. sounds better, and it, I, I feel that way too. I like to eat a bigger meal midday, um, and then, you know, not that I follow Ayurvedic necessarily, but just the feeling, that the digestion in my stomach, how I feel with my practices, um, so it makes sense. You know, it really does make sense. It, it does make sense. And you are being Ayurvedic. You're doing it from an intuitive level, <laughs> being connected right. to your body, because you're a yoga teacher. Right, And an aware yeah. person in general uh, besides yeah. that. And that's what Ayurveda is. It just means the science of life. And we can be in tune with that knowledge by just being aware. And through practices like yoga and meditation, it enlivens that awareness within us. And we, and we act more in accord with the laws of nature automatically. Nice. And that's what Ayurveda is all about. And it's a reminder. And, and the knowledge of cleansing is really good, but it's it's good to have, you know, guidance with all this because it's so much. Mm-hmm. It's on the one hand it's common sense, on the other hand, it's uh, uh you know, like anything else, like yoga, it's nice to have a teacher around to, to guide you and the doing the positions properly without straining. And that's mm-hmm. another thing I like about Ayurveda. Not straining. Like we tell people in the ideal diet, the ideal routine, and it's a lot. It's a lot of change. So we, we guide them into doing, you know, a few things at a time, and, and they can incorporate more once they feel the benefit and want more. So you don't throw the book at them. And, you know, let's say someone's eating cheese, and they're used to eating it at night all the time, and they have issues because cheese is heavy, it's cold, it's mucusy. Let's say they're copper types, and they're heavy... You know, I have the heaviness and coldness in them already, so that, and it's at night that, that cheese is killing them. They probably have asthma or sinus infections all the time. So we say, okay, don't give up the cheese, but eat more, eat it during the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. And if you have to have a little at night, maybe a couple of times a week to do it at night, and then phase out of that. So you do it in phases and steps. That's that's doable. And then you replace the the part you're giving up with something that's healthy. You, know, you can't just take away. You have to give something, you know, and be nourishing and nurturing and balancing. Right. I have a question for you, which I, I guess I'm assuming that all Ayurveda 
dietary practices and the study of Ayurveda is there's no animal products, correct? Or is, do some people still, is it mostly Good a vegan question. or vegetarian diet? Good question. The basic Ayurvedic diet is lacto-vegetarian, meaning uh, they use dairy products, which is an animal product but not a okay. you know, muscle meat. It's just simply mm-hmm. that. And the reason is, you know, I, I ran a... Um, um, a vegan potluck dinner for 13 years monthly for the Earth Save International group. We had a local chapter in Belport and Riverhead for 13 years. And I understand the vegans' argument about milk. But in India, as we all know, they hold the cow sacred because they're such a provider of nourishment. And so they they practically or literally worship them. And they have to treat them right because they regard them as very highly conscious animals, which we're finding out that they certainly are. And so they um, they treat them very specially. And milk, even though the vegans will say, and it's nothing against vegans per se, I understand the argument, but I also understand the Ayurvedic argument of incorporating dairy into the um, diet. And that is um, milk nourishes all seven tissues, all the seven tissues in the body, it's very sattvic food. That's another Sanskrit word. It means very even and nurturing quality. So it's very sattvic, but it has to be prepared properly. Mm-hmm. It has to be prepared properly. And we, we can get into dairy if we talk about that. Somehow. I know. True. We, very yeah, true. I, I know you know that too. But it, with, if, for instance, when you consume dairy Ayurvedically, you need to boil the milk. You need to boil mm-hmm. it first. It's not to pasteurize it. It's to negate the mucosy, mucogenic qualities in the milk and mm. use herbs with it, too, spices like turmeric. Right. Turmeric, the research is just cascading you know, the wonderful benefits of turmeric, not only turmeric, but all these spices that have been used in India for millennia. It's just amazing. Turmeric, ginger, for instance, it cuts back on those qualities and adds to it. You see the spices, this is Ayurvedic knowledge. They, that's a synergistic effect, and one helps the other be more effective in its job of being anti-inflammatory or purifying the, the liver or whatever. It's just really remarkable. So um, there's specific protocols for dealing with uh, dairy, and if people have an intolerance to it, it's probably because their channels, their body's channels, also known as shrotas, S-R-O-T-A-S, um, are clogged. And before you take milk, you need to clean out anyway. So, okay. And then we reintroduce milk to people who are sensitive or allergic. Most people who think they're allergic are actually sensitive. So you, you, you get three quarters water and one quarter milk for two weeks. And then you increase it to half, et cetera. And if people really have a serious sensitivity even after cleansing, then you would have them go to goat's milk or something like that. And if they can't okay. take milk, well, then you tried. Oh, you know about ghee, which is clarified butter. It's um, a lot written about ghee and the benefits of ghee, and people worry about, oh, it's a saturated fat. But there's a mm-hmm. lot of knowledge about ghee and the right. Ayurvedic wisdom, and it's used in the cleansing procedures because what it does is it removes, when you take it through a very specific protocol, it helps dissolve the lipophilic toxins that are embedded in the cell walls and tissues and brings it to the gut where it can then be purged out. And it lubricates mm-hmm. the body's channels, and it's just amazing. 
Well, I've seen you have your, I think, don't you have your little private stash of ghee? (laughs) I (laughs) I bring it to whatever restaurant I go to. I've been with you, so... uh, so that was very cool. I never saw that before. You know, I just want to go to the switch lines because we're, we're actually close to about seven, eight minutes left. So there are a yeah. bunch of people on my switchboard. So I'm just going to ask the listeners, if there's anybody that has any questions for Vince, if you can hit the number one and we'll pick you up on the switchboard. They may or not um, may or may not have a question, so I'm just going to look for that. Um, okay. In the meantime, um, while I'm waiting for that, do you want to just share where people can find you and um, if they're interested? So what would you, if you, if someone wanted to come to you and have an Ayurveda um, consultation, are you doing that at this time or are you still in the I practice? am, even, okay, even though, thank you for asking that. Even though I'm a, um, a student and in my first year, we are doing, We they started us many weeks ago, a couple, two, three months ago, doing um, assessments of people and, and treatment plans. And we have the faculty of Maharishi University of Management looking at those treatment plans and making sure they're correct. And then, you know, the people can benefit from even just a, a sometimes just a two or three big things can make a massive difference. Sure. And their state of well-being, um, really important. So we can throw the book at it and, and you know, but at the same time offer a phased approach to improving health and bringing balance back. So, yeah. And the way to get in touch with me, really, I'm low tech. I don't even have a website yet. Is just call me directly. Can I give you that number? Yeah, please do. I'll give you the cell phone number, which is where I'm calling from, 631-525-7507. I'll repeat that, 631-525-7507. I'm located in Oakdale. And I also do, as you mentioned, massage therapy and primarily myofascial release. I'd like to talk about that sometime, and I teach transcendental meditation. One-stop shop. One-stop shop. And then just also your email, Vince. Give them everybody, because I know some people are listening oh. that are not, um, that you know may want to reach you by email also. Yeah, that's fine. So it would be V-Man, V as in Vincent, not Victor. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke. It's an inside joke. V-Man with two N's. And 0657 at optonline.net. I'll repeat. I think I have another I have another email for you, too, so I just want to change that then. I have, I guess That's I have your fine. TM one. Okay. All right. I have the other one yep. as well. Okay. That one's easy, too. So the V-Man with two N's, 0657 at optonline.net. The other one is Great. V-Glasser, two S's, G-L-A-S-S-E-R, at TM. Dot org. T as in Thomas, M as in Michael, dot org. Perfect. Great. So it looks like everybody is listening and taking this all in. I don't have anybody sure. that has any questions. So um, this, this will air again. And so you may get some calls and anything that I get, any questions I get, I will direct them to you. The hour sure. went so fast. So I, I, I it just kind of flew by. Thank you so much for all your knowledge. I know we could have spoken a lot of shows about this, and I would love to have you back to talk about your other modalities. Um, I would love to speak about TM and, um, of course, also your, your healing practice, the, the myofascia. Um, so we'll have to schedule that. And um, thank you, and thank you for being my teacher a year ago and for um, being there for me and teaching me TM. It's something I always wanted to, to learn and teach, and you were always so wonderful. So anybody out there for that as well, but... Um, Vince is uh, it's amazing. Like I said, he's a cool guy, but he's 
you just have that real peaceful way about you to help other people and it's really intrinsic in your nature. So thank you for all the work that you do in helping everybody and healing. Thank you, Tina. It's such an honor. I'm in my hands are together. Namaste. Namaste. And thank, thank you, you, audience. Uh, it was real special. I feel really honored. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You have a great day. You too, Bye-bye. Tina. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye now. Bye, everybody. Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening. It's been a phenomenal show. Always goes too fast. And wrapping up Episode 7 of Health and Transformation, I cannot believe we're through seven episodes already. Everything has been so enlightening. I have learned so much personally, and I hope you are too. And you can always go back and listen to my shows on Apple iTunes Podcast. Find my show, get into a Tina Conroy. You can subscribe to my shows and have them all there for any time that's convenient for you. My last episode is going to be the eighth episode in Health and Transformation, and that will be next week, next Wednesday, which is February 24th. And I will be hosting Carrie Mitchell at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. She is an energy healer. Um, And for about a decade of her life, she had a lot of chronic fatigue and Lyme disease, um, and she was discovered during energy work. Uh, She turned her life around with that, and now she uses her intuitive gift of energy healing to help people like herself get their lives back. She specializes in helping people with chronic fatigue, pain, and insomnia. Um, And she's going to be speaking about the energetic roots of physical pain, practical tools for understanding and overcoming chronic pain and illness. And Carrie will be on the show next week. And I hope you join in. That will be at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So today was 2 p.m. So kind of just finding the right time. I hope this finds you well. Please reach out to Vince. He's an amazing, amazing guy. And like I said, he's a cool dude as well. So reach out to him, 631-525-7507, as well as his email. I hope this finds you well. Namaste.